that as I study and proclaim, to me, there's two parts to it. But proclaim means to confess and officially, you know, officially profess and confess Jesus is what it means in this case. And, and we realize the word says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you openly declare, in other words, proclaim that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the Scriptures tells us, anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. And that's what the the Lord really hit me with, is that that part of proclaiming is it's salvation. God moves in my life and and, and changes me to the point that that I profess it. Uh, Baptism is professing our faith. When we call upon the name of the Lord and our Savior to go before the body and be baptized of an outward sign of an inward thing, that cleansing, that proclaiming that took place in our life. The scripture reading today was, was about David that was confessing and, and repenting and crying out to God for mercies and, and love and compassion. And the Lord showed him that and he was proclaiming that. But Wednesday night, the Lord, we're here in our RPWF prayer and, and the Lord was burning something on me and and, and, and I thought, well, when the Lord's burning something, I just speak it on the spot. And, and anyway, I couldn't cut loose from this. But Wednesday night, the Lord had, I'd been preaching some different things and some different, uh, thoughts. And, and I read an article that said the same five thoughts that, that I'd been preaching. And it was out of Charisma magazine. And, and, and anyway, I began to, the Lord began to work me on that. And I spoke those words to our group Wednesday night. And man, we had to move the Lord. And, and I thought, well, that's where the Lord wanted it. But I haven't been able to shake it loose this week. And, and because God wants to do a work in us that, that, that's so strong and wants to do more in us. And as good as things are in our life, God always wants to do more in our lives. So I want to share these five ways to, to stay sharp, if you will, in the Lord. To stay close in the Lord so that we can continue to proclaim and, and move out into things of God even more than we're doing now. And again, don't think I'm up here whining around saying we're not doing nothing, man. Look across the body. You know, a lot of people that are guests today, you may think that, well, why aren't all the pastors up there? Well, there's one preaching up in Children's Church. There's another one preaching in Carthage. And then another one was here. This, I mean, we're out doing things. That Oakland is doing great things for God. We're doing wonderful things for God. You guys are doing great and wonderful things in Nativity this week. But I say that God always wants to do more in us and through us. Proclaiming in His name and thanking Him for all the great things. But to stay sharp. And the things the Lord put on my heart, the first one was to move from preparation to prayer. And that's the first point we're going to talk about today, and I'll come back to it. But the second thing is to yield to heaven's sanctified scalpel and, and, and the holiness. Displace ungodly systems with godly courage. Our covenant needs to be uh, with God and not our ministries even, and not our our, our, our dreams, our visions, but the lesser things I may say today. And again, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it things, but our salvation relationship with him is top, our covenant. And then the last thing is to bridge the gap between mercy and truth. So, Father, we do come to you in Jesus' name. And again, we thank you for your presence is here. 
the word that's already been spoken through Brittany and, and Joel and the praise team and Larry and, and Jojo and everybody, but, and Lord, just your spirit that's working during the altar times. Lord, we thank you so much for that. Father, continue ministering to us. And Lord, we ask that, Lord, I, I've already prayed over this body that you would reveal more things in our hearts that we can give to you as a love offering today. As an offering to you and say, Lord, I want more of you. And so I yield this even more to you today. And so, Lord, move across this body in Jesus' name. Amen. The first one was talking about moving or move from preparation to prayer. The article that I read was from administration to worship. But we spend a lot of time in preparation for life and very little time in prayer. This needs to be switched around. In other words, we need to pray, then prepare or implement what God has given us in prayer. Meaning for work, for school, for marriage, for church, for all things. As the proverb says, work or in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct you. Proverbs 3, 6. And the reason I say that today is that, that God's wanting us to move. Uh, a lot of times that, that, that we move out in our own interest. We move out in the, in the things that we want to do. And we spend very little time praying or talking to God about it. Or God may even said, Kent, I'm calling you to be a pastor. Then I began to prepare for being a pastor, but spend no time in, in, in prayer. I began to prepare, excuse me, to be a pastor, but don't cover it in prayer. Or some of you in here may say that, you know, God gave me this job. God opened this opportunity up for me. He told me I was going to have that job. And we began to prepare and and to focus totally on that job, forgetting that we need to continue to pray while we're at that job so God can show us more. It just doesn't stop with the first time God speaks something to us. Everything we do needs to be birthed in prayer. But I think so many times we spend all the time in preparation and no time in prayer. And we lose sight of what we're to be doing. When again, we go to prayer, God shows us what we're doing. And then we begin to prepare what he showed us. And as we go back to prayer, it's just a process that keeps growing. Now, something that that may be backwards or, or, or not so much negative. But a couple of weeks ago, we were at Carthage and, and, and we had a pretty rough night. Uh, I think the devil's raising his ugly head because things have gone so well down there that we're moving Thursday nights to Wednesday nights. We're merging the Spanish and the English, and that's going to happen January the 2nd. And we've not had hardly any troubles. Things are going good. We're merging because uh, uh, the body's grown to the point they can take care of themselves on Wednesday night. We don't need the support from home on Wednesday night. And and I'm just really pumped about this. But man, that Thursday night a couple weeks ago, was so rough, it made me second guess it. And, and, and we had this boy that just was giving us trouble the whole night. And, and, and guys, he, 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 to the point where they sent him to me because nobody could handle him. And, and guys, I'll even go a step further. Uh, I think the kid was demon-possessed. And I think a lot of times when, when people say something like that, it freaks everybody out. But a few years ago, we had a demon-possessed boy manifest over in the kitchen area over here. And there's four of our biggest guys couldn't even hold him down. He, he was trying to hurt himself. He was saying these horrible things. And we began to pray over him and, and were able to, to take him out of there into this foyer out here and set him on a bench. And we began to pray over this boy. And I saw this spirit break into him. He received Christ. The school calls us the next morning and says, what happened to this boy out here? 
And I couldn't indulge. I didn't feel like it was my place to talk about it, privacy, all that stuff. And, and I said, well, you'll have to ask him. And they said, we don't have to. He got saved last night, didn't he? And I said, yes, he did. And, and they said, he's a whole different boy today. God moved in his life and, 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 and he just changed him. Well, I remember this boy, he had missed the bus on occasion. He would ride his bicycle from Lamar clear to Oakton so he could go to youth. Man, God got a hold of him and changed his life. But that illustration was talking about how we were prepared with prayer. How that when this manifested, we were ready and we were, we were handling it and God moved mightily. Well, this particular night a couple of weeks ago, I'll be honest with you, it got so heavy that I couldn't, I was getting kind of cranky and was probably going to do something I shouldn't have. So I took him to two other ladies and I said, keep an eye on this boy for a little bit. I got to go pray and get my head together here. And I left him about 15 minutes. They had the same trouble I did. He's in there moving stuff, just causing trouble just anywhere he could. And so I walked in there and I said, hey, bud, just come with me. And it was about time to go home. And I took him out to the bus, got on the bus, and he began to pray a, a hideous prayer that, that, that was using Christian terms and stuff. But it was just horrible. And, and I turned around and I said, the Lord rebuke you. And then the Lord checked me. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. And that boy just... Hush. That boy just settled down and we could handle him. That's the first time the whole night that he'd ever been quiet for any period of time at all. And there's a time there. And again, we need to remember that we're not hating the sinner. We're hating the sin. You know, we're hating Satan that's behind people and we need to press in. And and God's kind of talking to me all about that. But long story short, I was talking to staff afterwards that night. And because the Lord kind of challenged me, he said, Kent, you didn't pray like you normally do. You didn't, pre- you didn't uh, pray and then get the preparations. You took preparation time and did no praying. You spent all your time preparing for that night and didn't cover in prayer like you should have. So I began to ask other people that were on staff that night, and they all admitted, 90% of them, we didn't pray like we normally did. Wow. Well, needless to say, last week was our big party. We had all these people that were in one big group. And when they told me that they were preparing for that service, I was like, how in the world are we going to handle them? How in the world are we going to handle them? But guess what? They prayed this week. (laughs) And they prayed and we prayed about the night. And we had a great night again the other night. And what I'm trying to tell you again is, guys, I understand we don't have to earn things. but, But when we get in the presence of the Lord... He will begin to share us things so that we can prepare for what we need to be about. And that relates through anything, through ministry, through work, through home, through our children, through any type of ministry or, or opportunity that we have. But the Lord really put another thing on my heart. And that was Joseph. And I'm not talking about Mary and Joseph. But he put Joseph on my heart. That, that the, the, the Joseph that had the coat of many colors. That, that had got the, the vision, the dream from God. The direction, the plan, the calling. And Joseph acknowledged the dream and, and he embraced it. But as he began to share it, he shared with his brothers. And this is all, and again, I'm not going to read it all, but in Genesis 37. But he shared that dream with his brothers and, and they took offense to it. Because again, even Joseph didn't understand the totality of what God gave him. God gave him a word in prayer, 
but he needed to continue to pray so that he could prepare throughout his life. Then he shared the, the vision with another dream and, and vision with his own dad and his mom. And his dad and mom didn't even understand the totality of the vision and dream. Uh, this was so heavy upon his brothers and stuff that they tried to kill him. They tried to take him out. And another brother stepped in, Reuben. And Reuben, basically, they end up saving him and, and pushed him into slavery. And sold him into slavery to the Egyptians. And again, I'm telling you, two or three uh, chapter version and just a few words here. But what I'm trying to show you is that, that he got a word from the Lord, but he didn't know the full answer yet. Which means that we need to continue in prayer and getting more preparation to build on and plan for. That we need to keep going back to God. And I think that as the story goes on, you'll see that Joseph did that. So after his brothers tried to kill him, he goes in and he's, he's in slavery and he's in Egypt and he's working and, and he's accused of rape that we see in Genesis 37, 19 and 20. And then he was thrown in jail. And then we see that he had a backstabbing butler. Don't you hate the backstabbing butlers? You know, the people that you think are your best buddies and, and next thing they leave you high and dry. Uh, last night, me and Joshua were playing Risk and of course I won. But he said it's because I backstabbed him that I was a backstabbing dad last night. But, but anyway, no, I kind of might have done that. But, but my point is, he's going through all this stuff. And he's dealing with all this stuff. But this is over a 15 to 20 year period. And then he continues on and, and all these things are happening to him. But you see all throughout the scripture, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in their sight. You see that through every trial, every temptation, all these things to where that he eventually became the most powerful man in Egypt, that Pharaoh himself said, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. So he's second in command. We see all this dream just transpire over the years, and what I see in all this is that, that, that this guy is going into prayer. He's getting these dreams. He's preparing and he's going and talking about them. He doesn't spend all of his time in pray, preparing and, and doing the things he was called to do. He spent all of his time in prayer asking about God. What do I need to do? To the point that he became a powerful man. But the neat thing of it all is the end result was is there's a famine in the land. And because of all this stuff that was going on in his life, that his father and his mother and his brothers did come to him and did bow down to him, but he quickly said, you get up. Because what God was trying to do in this story was to save his people from the famine in the land, the dryness in the land. And so what he got in the beginning, he didn't totally understand but, but he stayed in prayer and took what he got in prayer and prepared his life to meet up with what he got in prayer. And in the end result, God took him to the place that God wanted him to be in. But again, my fear for me and others is that God shows us something and we spend all the time in the first thing he shows us and never go back to prayer. We need to be a people of prayer and press in like never before. We need to spend our, all of our time that we can possible seeking out his place in our life. God has a plan for all of you. God has got a, a, a destiny for all of you just like Joseph. Pray then prepare what God gives you. 
Pray and then prepare and build on what God has given you. Pray and continue to prepare and build it and build it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't look at the circumstance as the word will tell us. We do not look at all things which are seen, in other words, the circumstances, but at the things which are not seen. We begin to trust what God bursts with us in prayer, and we begin to yield to that. The second thing for this to happen, and when God gives us in things in prayer, a lot of times it's things that keep us from hearing from the Lord, and that takes us to point two. We need to yield to heaven's sanctif- uh, sanctified scalpel. And the scripture talks about in Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially that sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So we see in this scripture here that let us strip ourselves of everything that weighs us down and then strip us away of the sin that so easily entangles us. So there's things that can be good that that are out of priority in our life that God says, whoa, this here is out of order. I need to be first. And then there's going to be sins that maybe he shows us that we need to deal with. But we need to let him to cut on us, if you will, so that we can uh, get rid of the things that keep us from seeing him. In this magazine I read, they had a, a, a paragraph in here I thought was really neat. But it says, I believe the Lord is challenging us to allow the Holy Spirit to continue his refining and sanctifying work in us as believers. There can be no lasting move of the Spirit without a church that has been prepared to host his presence long term. This means recognizing heaven's knife and cutting away things from our lives, both personally and corporately, in order for his spirit to rule and reign as we remember what this is unto. We can face any cross before of the greater joy that is set before us. But what a lot of us do a lot of times is we, we, we let the Lord deal with the surface sins. The things that everybody around us can tell going on in our life. But there's some deep-rooted things in our life that the Lord wants to, to cut on a little bit. And I think that's what the Lord's telling us today is, I want you to go a step deeper. I believe there's things in here everybody knows that, that, that keep us from the Lord. And again, it may just be out of priority type thing, but it may even be a sin. But God wants to cut that away so that we can experience more of His joy and more of His presence. The third thing the Lord put upon my heart today was to displace ungodly systems with godly courage. Our focus needs to be on the spontaneous move of the Spirit and not what seems most familiar, traditional, safe, or even controllable. I would even add in the word comfortable. You know, it really tickled me this morning that, that man, whenever we... Uh, have a, a worship song like from Bethel or Newsboy or any of these songs that are, we sing in regular service. Man, people jump right up. Man, we're really worshiping. worshiping and, but when we get into the Christmas songs, it's like we're just sitting there and we're not moving. And, and, and what I want to challenge you to be is so open to the Spirit that you can see the Spirit move in your life and spontaneously jump out into the presence of God if Larry Compton did sing the whole service. You know what I'm saying today? 
You know, we, we think we got to have this, this certain way of doing things for us to receive from the Lord. And, and it keeps the Lord from doing what he wants to do in our life. We need to be spontaneous to the Spirit. When the Spirit speaks, we need to go do it. When the Spirit tells us to go pray for a brother, get up and go pray for the brother. If the Spirit tells Joel, I want you to sing a different song today, sing the different song today. If the Spirit says for you to give a tongue, give a tongue. If the Spirit tells you to give a prophecy, give a prophecy. But move out in the Spirit. You know, we get taxed so many times because we have a bulletin. Our bulletin says a little bit of an order of service. Well, you can't be spontaneous in the service. But I even tell you the churches that don't have a bulletin, they have an order of service. You just can't see it on paper. They're going to have a, they're going to have an opening worship or praise time, which is upbeat songs. They're going to have a worship times, which is slow worshiping songs. They're going to have a word. They're going to have tithes and offering just the same way. But we need to be spontaneous to let the Lord move in this service here today and do what he wants to do. I challenged you a few weeks ago, and this one here is burning on me, but, but you guys cry to me for revival in your life. But most of you's got plans at 12 o'clock today, so there's not going to be any revival happening after 12. We've got to be spontaneous. You see what I'm getting at? To me, we need to have our days set aside on Sunday for God to do whatever he wants to do. Set aside to say, Lord, I'm ready for you to move on my life, and whatever you do today, I'm going to be obedient to you, and I'm going to move out to you. How many of you have prayed today, Lord, I want you to deal with something in my life today. Here's my heart. Go cutting. That you've made your mind up before you even came in here today. But too many times we come in to put in our time, and I, I hate to say that, but we do that a lot of times. We need to be spontaneous not only in the worship service here today, but in our lives and across the world. And, and, and that's where I, the Lord put David and Goliath on my mind because the system idea, whenever the Israelites were coming up against this big, ugly giant, the system's idea would be to go get a bigger, uglier giant to beat that big, ugly giant, to get the bigger, badder dude. But, it, but God went after a man that knew him and a man that was just had courage, if you will, that was spontaneous in the spirit. And that man said that to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword? You come to me with a javelin? But I come to you in the name of the Lord. He wasn't a coward and he stepped up and he was spontaneous when all Israel was sitting on their hands. When all Israel was doing nothing, he heard from the Lord and he stepped out and was spontaneous and God changed the world because of it. God changed the time because of it. And that's what God's calling us to do. We were talking about just Sunday service, but I tell you to do it in everyday life. Be spontaneous and and, and move when the Lord speaks to you. Now, I think that we've done that as a body, and and, and, and I'm not again complaining today. But but just oaking out in the middle of nowhere. You know, if God was going to build a church, you think he would go build a church where there's 100,000 people. You know, when we planted the church in Carthage, we looked to a spot that had eight, in an eight-mile radius, had 100,000 people. That's where our building sets in Carthage. 100,000 people is within eight miles. That's where we'd build a church. You come out here in the middle of Oakton and you say, hmm, there's 10,000 maybe in an eight-mile radius, if that. But Oakton was spontaneous back in the day and our, our leaders before us had a vision 
They had a goal and a dream. The Lord says, you can be that David amongst the Goliaths. You can be that lighthouse in the world. And these people of old, our parents and our grandparents, they got a hold of that vision. And that's why you got a church of four or five hundred out in the middle of nowhere. Man, that was because somebody was spontaneous and got out of the box. I believe the same thing about Oakton Carthage even. Again, merging the Spanish and English. You don't know how many times it will not work was said to us as a church. You don't know how many times that, that hire up people, people that church plant, it will not work. Well, guys, it's working because the Lord gave us a vision and we were spontaneous as a body and stepped out. And I believe because of it, we're going to be 10 years ahead of the game. We're already 10 years ahead of the game. When the world's fighting and, murder and arguing about all these things, we're getting along and we're working through them and we're seeing a move of the Spirit in all parts of Oakton. Being spontaneous. Be willing to step out in the things that God's called us to do. Remember Luke twelve eight. Jesus' own word says, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. When you step out for Jesus and confess him, and when you get out and are spontaneous, when he calls you, he's, going to be, he's got your back. He's with you. He's going to be with you every direction, every way. The fourth thing here, is our covenant needs to be with God, not our ministry or the lesser things. We cannot allow our ministry to outgrow our love for Him, nor give our hearts to lesser things. We cannot allow our ministry to outgrow our love for Him, nor give our hearts to lesser things. What about this? We cannot allow our lesser things to outgrow our love for Him and give our hearts to them. So many times that's what happened. That covenant that the scripture that we're talking about here is your salvation. And so many times we allow ministry, you know, we allow lesser things to be more important than our calling that's upon our life. And, and that's, that's the backwards order. And God's checking us on that. The word says in Matthew six nineteen, Jesus' own words, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When I think about lesser things, it could be anything. It could be our work. Lesser things could be even our our relationship with our loved ones become more important than our relationship with Christ. Lesser things could be that our, our jobs or our workplace or whatever. I don't even need to get into all that. But when the priority, Christ isn't first, when that's not there, it's lesser things. And I use the word ministry because if our ministry becomes more important than our relationship with God, then we miss the boat already. That takes us back to point one. Point one is, is when we go to prayer... And then we prepare what we get in prayer and plan that. When we start planning and preparing in our own flesh, that's when we're, we're serving the ministry. It's just like the Oakland Nativity. We've been doing it 62 years. It ministers to probably more people in a year at one time than any other ministry does. It's a great ministry. But if that becomes more than our love for Christ, then it's out of order. It's a lesser thing than your relationship with Christ. 
That ministry should never compromise your relationship with Christ. And I think so many times that, that because we're out of order with ministry above or love for Christ, with, with family or work or whatever it may be, that we're out of order, that it affects everything in our life. That's why our family's in disgruntled sometimes or, or why we're at odds with different people or why things just aren't meshing. But we can't allow our ministry or lesser things to outgrow our love for Him. And I believe the Lord showed me a test this morning that we can all take. And I just say, I know we got visitors here today, so I'll word it this way. But the test is, is are you actively involved in your church home? Are you actively involved in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Or are we serving the lesser things? Is our giftings and our our talents being used? Is our giving being used? And then I'm going to close with this today. We need to bridge the gap between mercy and truth. There's a division in our country between mercy, which is usually tagged liberal, or truth, which is usually tagged conservative. They cannot get along and will never get along because there are two extremes. We see that in the government shutdown that's taking place right now. I go on to say there's a division in our own denomination. We have the mercy or the tag liberal people on this side, or the truth, the word people, conservative on this side. The liberals are compromising the word of God while the conservatives need to be careful and cautious of not being too judgmental and critical, but yet hold to the truth and stand for the word of God above all things. But the word says, and as you read the word, and I'll put some scriptures up here in a minute, but we need to have mercy and truth. But what happens is this current generation is a mercy-centered generation. They cry to love and accept others. And the passion for social justice comes from the heart to help and to serve others. However, in many cases, righteousness and holiness often takes a back seat. Then there are the, the previous generations who were taught to stand on godly principles and truth. We hold a deep conviction for walking in truth at all cost, even if it means sac- sacrificing or severing relationships. Both mercy and truth are characteristics of God's heart and purpose. However, we must bridge the gap, not only between generations, but between mindsets. Even our current political parties represent some of the diff- these differences. It will require a deeper understanding of a larger picture of God's heart in order to bring these two values together. There can be no true mercy apart from the righteousness of God, and there can be no truth apart from the unconditional love of God. If we are to see the culture changes and the, and the government change, policies change, it will require mercy and truth to walk together and bear fruit that only heaven can produce. As a mouthful on what I just shared with you there today. But that's our society today. There is division across this world like never before. There's a division in, in churches and denominations like I've seen never before. And actually, I see it in this church body. I see it a lot. What God is challenging us to do today 
is have mercy, but yet hold to the truth in bridging that gap. And I try to decide, you know, how do, how do I explain that? Because I lean on the truth side, man, I'm going to back the word at all cost. But Christ did it. The other day I was just listening to the radio and I heard a secular thing and, and it really ministered to me because I thought, boy, for a secular organization, they kind of got a handle on it. And, and I'm not a chief fan, but, but I'm going to talk about the chiefs for a minute. And, and for those who didn't know, I am a Viking fan. Did you guys know that? You didn't know that? No. But, but the other day the chiefs cut loose. <laughs> the chiefs cut loose a stud running back. Uh, a guy that was just unbelievable. And, and they cut him loose because the, that he had gotten into a fight with his girlfriend and, and knocked her around a little bit, or a lady knocked her around a little bit. And anyway, the Chiefs cut him loose. And I got to thinking about it. And, if I, and again, if everything I've, I've, I've dug and investigated is true, if you guys don't realize, Tyreek Hill uh, also had got a hold of his pregnant girlfriend by the throat and was shaking her and charges were brought against him and and he was prosecuted. But in the same way, the chiefs went to him and the management went to him and asked him if all this happened. And he fessed up to what happened and he saw what happened. And so the chiefs had mercy upon him and began to work with him and they kept him on the team. Then I got to saying, well, why did the chiefs cut him, the other guy, loose then? He did the same thing. Exact same thing almost. And if you read the story on it, when the chiefs went to him about it, I believe his name is Hunt, when the chiefs went to him on it, he lied about it, denied that it ever happened, and so the chiefs came behind him and then found out later that he had been lying, and it was true. And because he wasn't willing to work with them, they cut him loose. And man, I, 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 honestly, I respect how the Chiefs handled this situation. Both situations. And, and my respect for the franchise has grown. And again, I'm not saying Hunt's out from now on. I don't say that. But when God sends people into this body that he will, that have meth addictions, that have other addictions or other problems that we all have, different problems, but ours aren't obvious, so we embrace the unobvious. But when obvious stories come in or things come in, we're real quick to slam the word down their throat and have no mercy. And we don't give God a chance for his word to move across the body, to move across the person, to where that person can receive a touch from the Holy Spirit and can say, help me get through this. And I think that's what we do so many times as believers. We don't even go to the people and try to help them through a situation and try to, to speak the word and truth over them, but have such a love and mercy for them that they just want to hear more of the word. And I think that's where we need to get as a congregation that, that when people struggle with things and are struggling with things that, that, that we embrace the, the sinner, but not, or the, the sinner, but not the sin. I do believe there's a time that, that when, when you're dealing with people and you can't get through to them and all that, there's a time of separation. I don't disagree with that. 
Man, it was in the Bible in 1 Corinthians whenever uh, this young man was sleeping with his stepmom. And they tried to go to him with mercy and truth, and he wouldn't have it, so they kicked him out of the church. I believe there's a time for that. But guys, when God's at work, it usually don't get there. It usually doesn't get there. We need to hear that today. But so many times we go with a hammer instead of with the mercy. And we need to come together with both and allow people to have that opportunity to change. The scriptures I had with this was 1 Corinthians 13, 6. Do not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoice in truth. Another one the Lord shared with me this morning that though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head Christ. Keep speaking love into people, the truth, the word. And this one here in Psalms I loved. That mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Mercy and truth have met together. But what I fear for America... And I don't have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But what I see across America is what's happening in our government right now. Uh, With a shutdown, all you're seeing is a blame game. Man, our society, it seems like we just want to tear each other up. That we just want to tear each other down. And, And they're never going to come together because you listen to them and they're I even was watching Fox the other day, and the announcer said to him, well, who do you blame for this? Who cares? It's time to move past this. Let's fix it. But guys, that's what's happening, I believe, even in our own denomination. Whose fault is this? Who cares? Let's get the word. Get our mercy and work this out according to the word. And let God do his thing. But I even see it, guys, I can't believe the, the blame game I even see it across this own body. And, and to be honest with you, it, it always takes two in anything. Even the point when, when you can think you're always right and you're perfect in this situation, you still had a part. So why are we looking to blame when we need to look to come together? And that's the last thing the Lord spoke with me in prayer is to forget what's behind us and move forward to what's ahead. And that's what America needs to do. But in Christ, as the head, with mercy and truth at our side. Because if I remember right, God's word has never gone wrong. Amen? The praise team will come forward today. The altar call short and sweet today. If you're here and you haven't accept, <clears throat> accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, that's number one. You need to proclaim him. But if you're here today and you've been that prodigal son or that prodigal daughter and you've been wayward and it's time to come home, I want you to come to these altars and just pray to the Lord.
But God is doing a scalpel job on us today. And are you listening? If you are, come up and pray about it.